Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Games for Girls podcast. Today we are having on Taylor Silverman, which really this feels like a full circle moment. Um, she is someone, she really was actually the first athlete I saw speak out after I had. And so when I saw this, I was overjoyed to have someone else joining the team. Um, so you can expect to hear her story. Um, she's a skateboarder. You can expect to, to hear what that looks like, where skateboarding stands now. Um, and of course, other incidents that continue to happen um, across the nation. And so I couldn't be more excited. Check out the interview with Taylor Silverman. Taylor, I remember when you first took a stand and it was like the greatest day ever for me because you were like the really the only other athlete at that time who had done that. And so I want to give you the opportunity to talk about your story, talk about how you were impacted and really affected by this um, and how that has led you to where you are now. Okay. Well, first off, I want to say congrats on the new show. I didn't say that yet. And I was really happy for you when I saw that on Twitter and even more happy to be invited to be a guest. And um, you probably, I've told you this before, but I don't know if I've stressed enough, like how much you speaking up helped me to speak up. And we didn't know each other at the time, but I had seen interviews of you. I had also seen in Selena Soul. That was the other interview that I had seen of an athlete speaking up. But um, basically, I've been skateboarding for several years, I think like 12 now, and competed um, all over the country for years. And I had encountered male athletes entering women's skateboarding divisions three different times. And the first couple times, I really thought that this was so ridiculous that it was going to be solved pretty quickly. People were going to put an end to it, say we're not going to handle it this way. But I understood that it was probably a difficult situation for contest organizers when everyone's showing up that day. But then I went to this Red Bull contest that I qualified for in my home state at the time of Michigan. And I was made aware the day of the finals that there was a male skateboarder who had also been traveling from stop to stop around the country, collecting prize money at every stop and would be competing in the finals. I was shocked despite having actually seen this before but especially in a contest where I had had to do qualifying events to get there where they were well aware of who was going to show up to the finals and where there was thousands of dollars of prize money involved and women had traveled all over the country to be there so I competed that day knowing what was happening was wrong and I reached out to Red Bull after the contest, telling them that I thought it wasn't handled correctly. I sent them an email, which is now publicly posted online, and they never responded to me. And I, I feel like the email I sent them was very kind and professional. I was raising my concerns. I went through exactly how I was financially impacted and the other girls who placed below me being in second place to the male competitor who got first. And I basically told them that I knew 
what I was saying might not be popular, but it was the right thing to do. And I wanted to schedule a time to talk about what they could do moving forward. But that was ignored. And in that time, like the weeks, months that I spent after that thinking about what to do, I did a lot of research. I found your interview where you talked about what had happened with Leah Thomas and swimming in college. And I went through a very dark time for a bit, feeling very guilty about not saying anything. I wondered what it would be like if this actually became the norm and I have daughters one day and how I would explain this to them and tell them that I hadn't spoken up when it happened to me when it first started happening. And I found a lot of strength in watching you speak up and Selena also, but you were a huge voice in this right in the beginning. And um, I decided to just post what had happened. And when I posted it, it was on my Instagram, which had like a few thousand followers who just followed me for skateboarding clips. And it went viral within like an hour, which I did not expect at all. But it reassured me how how much people really cared about this and how many people were being impacted. And I kind of had to make a decision like that day because I, I start getting all these calls like, will you do this interview? Will you do this show tonight? We're going to send the camera crew to your studio right now. And I had to decide I'm either in this or I'm going to leave the post as is and not go any further with it. And I decided to just go with it because I knew that a lot of people will not speak up and we needed more people speaking up like you were. And from there, it's history. I, I just kept going and it's been like well over a year now. And my life has changed significantly. I think some progress has been made in some sports. Skateboarding is still not had a solution, but I'm not going to stop until there is one. Oh my gosh. Well, I couldn't be more grateful the direction that you went because the impact that you have had on your platforms and, 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 and what you've done is, is monumental and it really is inspiring for so many others. And so, um, you mentioned the skateboarding community. This happens relatively frequently in skateboarding. So can you touch on touch on that and how really your experience um, again in the skateboarding in the skateboarding world is not unique? Yeah. So the first time that I actually was at a contest where this happened was back in 2018. So it's been happening for a long time. And that was just my first time actually traveling out of state to go compete back when I first started and was kind of going out of uh, Michigan and past these small local contests. Doing, and I didn't expect to do well. I was just starting out. I just wanted to go see what it was like, meet other women who were traveling to skate too. And it was actually a qualifier where this happened. And I actually placed above the person, but I still thought this is really odd that they're allowing this and it wasn't a particularly great skateboarder in a men's division i don't think they would have even been in the contest at all but um i i saw this happening more and more and i saw that women's spaces in skateboarding that weren't even competitive spaces but girls who would have like meetup groups they were always catering towards like transgender crowds it was you could not really have just a women's thing in skateboarding anymore. And I thought that was very strange. And I actually had a women's meetup group in Kalamazoo for a while called Galamazoo because it was the gals of Kalamazoo. 
And I got a lot of criticism from people in the community because I would just put a girls and women's skateboarding meetup on the flyers. And they were like, why don't you write transgender and queer? And I was like, because this is really about creating a community for the girls and also letting families in the area know that there's a space where they can take their young daughters to get free lessons and have something to look forward to every month. And I really want to focus on that. Now, these are at public parks. Anybody is welcome to come, but I'm not going to make the whole event about that. And people got really upset about it, at least a few people. Most people didn't care, to be honest. But I, um, the next time I saw this happen was in 2020. And it was a skater who was actually pr pretty well known. And um, that was another thing I was noticing is a lot of these male skaters who identified as trans women were getting sponsored, going pro, and getting a lot of attention for being mediocre male skateboarders, to be completely honest. And, you know, I don't think I'm the best skater in the world or anything, but it is pretty clear that these individuals would not be getting the attention and sometimes even, um, like, like the money that they're making if they were recognized for what they are, which is men. But um, in 2020, play second, and I blew it off because I thought, you know what? This is a few hours from home. It was in Chicago. It was a locally organized thing. There was no money involved and whatever, if this is how they want to run it. I was kind of black-pilled at the time, to be honest. I thought, well, the world is going to and what can I do about it? But um. I, I heard of this happening more and more. It happened at Red Bull, which was shocking to me because at this point it's financially impacting me. And as soon as I spoke up, I got, I'm talking like not exaggerating, hundreds of thousands of messages from people all over the world. And a lot of these messages were from women who skated competitively, who had been through something similar or parents whose daughter, daughters or daughter had been through something similar. And I get sent, you know, these photos from podiums, and I've actually shared some of those since, um, obviously in other sports as well, but skateboarding is my realm. And there, it's not like in swimming where there's one person doing this. There are several. I think there's like near a dozen that I just, that I know about. And I'm sure there's a lot more that I don't know about because so many people are scared to say something or speak out about it. But in skateboarding, it's very common. And one thing I, I love about skateboarding is anybody can do it. It does not matter, you know, how you identify or how you dress. All you have to do is get a skateboard, go to the park and skate. And honestly, I'm happy to skate with anybody who is at the skate park or at a spot and just wants to skate and have a good time. And that's actually a really cool thing about skateboarding. You don't have to try out for a team. You don't have to get a bunch of crazy fancy equipment. You just need a board and some shoes and hopefully a helmet. But um, it's when it gets into the competitive realm, it's clear that it's taking away opportunities from girls who are working really hard. And I was a lot older than a lot of the girls in the group. I'm like in my late 20s now. So I thought about like girls who are young, very young, like starting as children and getting really, really good and they're going to miss out on the opportunities that I had in the beginning. And I don't want that to happen. I want girls to actually have a place in skateboarding because it, it has always been male dominated and it's not easy to go and be the only girl at a skate park. 
it's very intimidating. And especially if you do have a women's space and you want it to be exclusively for women to be celebrated and to have opportunities, and you're called all sorts of horrible names for that, girls are just not going to want to do it. No, and, and I think all of that's really interesting, but the, the piece to me that stuck out initially about your story was the financial impact because we we didn't see this in swimming, but it goes to show that this is affecting women's livelihoods, not just impacting their safety and their privacy and, you know, equal opportunity. A lot of times this is their income. This is their job. This is how they provide for their families. And now that I've seen it in skateboarding, I've seen it in a slew of other sports. Um, and again, it typically is sports people don't tend to watch, you know, like cycling and um, disc golf. Um, yeah. Weirdly enough, there's a lot of money in disc golf. I don't know why we didn't do that. Maybe we should have been disc golfers. Uh, <laughs> there's a disc golfer, uh, a male, who has taken, I think, $47,000 in prize money away from women just this year alone. So yeah. I think the financial aspect piece is, is incredibly interesting. Um, after this, you spoke out. I remember it going viral in, in such a short amount of time as well. Um, and you mentioned some of the the support and stuff you got from parents and other athletes and I'm sure coaches and different things. But what about the backlash, the negative response? What what seems to be a common trend, do you think? Because in, in myself, I notice a trend of these comments and what they tend to be. Have you noticed any kind of trend or, or really what has this backlash looked like for you? Absolutely. Um, for for me, actually, in a weird way, I'm really grateful for the backlash because I feel like it made the story blow up more. In the post that I made originally, I talked about being done, being bullied into silence and all the comments showed exactly what I was talking about. And I think that's happened for you, too. Like when you were in San Francisco and were assaulted, that was absolutely horrific. But what happened is your story ended up blowing up so much bigger. It, you were able to use it for positive. And I am still so angry that that happened. But now you have a lot more people aware of what had happened to you. But um. I think a lot of the comments were not, you know, I disagree and this is why and this is my stance. They were personal attacks. They were threats. I received death threats. In my case, one factor that was kind of interesting that was um, something I don't think we had seen from other female athletes who'd spoken up is there was a huge amount of anti-Semitism. In fact, I think there were more, more anti-Semitic comments than there were comments about what I was talking about with males and women's sports. So it showed that people did not have a firm stance that they could argue. They just wanted to say the worst thing that they could think of to try to make you feel bad or try to shut you up or try to scare you. But um, I think that's that's pretty much what's happened to all of us. I know you shared messages where people attack you for your looks, which is insane because you're beautiful. And it's always someone who is has no business talking smack about the way you look. But that's been a similar thing with me. And it, what was really scary, though, is there were people I had posts that I ended up removing because I was so disturbed by the content uh, or by the um, comments 
like people threatening to kill my pets. Yeah, that was really messed up. But um, I got called like a war criminal because I'm a Jew. I got called um, a Mossad agent, which I thought that was kind of cool that they were accusing me of being a Mossad agent. No, I'm just kidding. But but um, they, you know, colonizer. There are people telling me that um, I was a white supremacist, which it was mostly white people calling me a white supremacist. And then it was people like saying horrible things about me being a Jew while calling me a bigot, which is a very interesting dynamic there. But um, yeah, they they go after you to try to shut you up because they don't want to have to deal with the reality that we're speaking facts. And if someone actually leaves a respectful comment that is like, I disagree, that's one thing. And, you know, you have every right to have your opinion. I think you're wrong, but at least you can present it in a way that isn't just personal attacks or threatening to kill my family, you know? No, absolutely. What was some of the worst stuff that you got? <laughs> you know, it's, it's just as you mentioned, it's always, it's because they can't dissuade from the argument. And so they resort to, you know, maybe you should have just swam faster. You're not even that swimmer if you were losing to begin with. Maybe you should have just swam faster, which, as you said, it cracks me up because it's like, have you ever played a sport in your entire life? It's or laughable. Like, yeah. yeah, I got I got a lot of that, too. Like, you just suck at skateboarding. I'm like, well, I, I did play second above all the other women who were there. And my contest history for that whole previous year is pretty good. And, you know, I've had contests where I do really well, ones where I do really poorly. And that's fine. That's part of being an athlete. But when someone's cheating, like that doesn't say anything about my skill. No, it doesn't. And uh, people don't realize that if they've never played. Um, yeah. Lemons to lemonade. You have now, as you said, your life has changed. The direction that you were going in has now been redirected. And so talk about where you're working now. Um, it has brought you a fiance. Uh, yeah. Recently engaged, which is just incredible. Um, and it shows you how really not everything that has come from this um, has been entirely negative. So talk about that. Oh, yeah. It, most of it has been positive. But um, at the time that I spoke up, I was actually planning to do something completely differently. I was working on getting set up to do this program in Israel where I was going to go do work trade on a farm and learn how to grow strawberries in the desert, basically and like get a stipend and skateboard and live there. And um, instead, I came back to America, which I was planning to do regardless. But um, I had ended up getting a lot of people reaching out to me, supporting me. But one of those people was Tim Pool. And I didn't know who Tim was at the time, but he reached out and called me after posting on Twitter that TimCast will pay Taylor Silverman the uh, 2000 whatever dollars that was cut from her paycheck for placing second. And I, I watched them talk about me on TimCast IRL that night. And it was the first time that I felt like the story was covered completely accurate. Because anytime that something blows up in the news, like, especially with skateboarding, 
and anything like that where you may not fully understand it if you don't do it. There was a lot of stuff that I, I cringed at the way that they talked about it. And I felt like it wasn't quite exactly right, but I didn't have control over it. It's the media and they're doing their best. But um, Tim and the IRL crew, they talked about it exactly as it was. He understood how these contests worked because he skates and he skated longer than me. But um, he gave me a call and he asked if I would come out as a guest and hang out and skate. He told me about some of the plans that he had for the company. And he basically told me, you know, you really should think about what you want to do next. And I was really grateful because at the time I thought, okay, this is a good person to have as a mentor and to, um, you know, kind of talk about what I should plan to do after this because I probably had a lot of opportunities and I wanted to use them. But um, I didn't understand that he was saying, what What do you want to do working for me? So I, um, I ended up going out there a few weeks later. At the time, I was really scared to come back to America because I was still in Israel and I thought if I went back to America, there would be people with like pitchforks and like uh, coming outside my house to try to kill me, which wasn't the case at all. But because of all the online stuff, stuff I had this like illusion in my head that this was real. But um, a few weeks passed. I go back. I made a couple stops, went out to Timcast, hung out for a couple days, and he asked if I'd stay for a week. I stayed, and at the end of the week, he said, do you want to just move down here and join Timcast and just do some work here? And I was like, this is probably the best place for me to be right now. I didn't really want to go back to Kalamazoo, which is a college town in Michigan, three colleges in one city. And um, I, I thought this isn't the, good, the best place for me. So um, I came out to Timcast not really knowing what to expect, and I have been here ever since. I worked, um, I still work on a show called Cast Castle, which is a comedy show where kind of make fun of woke stuff and spoof current events, which is a lot of fun. And working out here, I met my fiance because um, he was hired not long after me as a writer and filmer. And um, at the time, we were just friends for many months. And then finally, we started dating and Pretty much everyone at work was like, yeah, um, it's about time. We knew that was going to happen. But we just got engaged back in May. And um, now I'm currently working on some new projects at Timcast. I can't really talk about them too much, but uh, stay tuned. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to announce more soon. We love a teaser. Um, that's our stuff. Um, but as you mentioned, you're from Kalamazoo. And mm -hmm. the other day, I was watching Jesse Waters on Fox, mm -hmm. and this dad comes on, and he talks about an incident that's happening, it's continuing, it's ongoing, right next to Kalamazoo in Vicksburg, Michigan. Um, I remember being appalled watching this. Actually, at this point, I'm not surprised anymore. Of course, it's still appalling, but I wasn't necessarily surprised um, when this dad got on to talk about the incident that was happening, um, because this is close to home for you, do you kind of want to fill fill us in on on what I'm talking about and what what they're doing moving forward to trying to try and I guess combat this? 
Yeah. So I found out about this just a few days before the Jesse Waters interview. Uh, someone from Kalamazoo reached out to me, sent me the article, and immediately I wanted to do whatever I could to help these families and this attorney. So I sent out some statements and tried to get media aware of what was going on. And luckily, it was covered by several different outlets. But basically, in Vicksburg, Michigan, which is southwest Michigan, there are four families who are suing the school because they have allowed a male student to use the girls' bathroom and locker room. And there have been really uncomfortable incidents that have occurred from this for the girls in the school. And in the beginning, the girls actually went to school officials, went to the principal, and like raised their concerns and said they were uncomfortable, they didn't feel safe. And the school told them to just deal with it and to not bully this student and to just like basically look the other way or that they could use a different bathroom if they didn't feel comfortable. And the lawsuit states a lot. You can look it up and see it online. But um, there was there was um, girls who had said that they had been exposed to male undressed. There was an incident where it doesn't go into complete detail, but you can probably guess what happened where someone had um, an embarrassing experience um, with their menstrual cycle because they were scared to go to the bathroom. Which, like, I can't imagine as a teenage girl how mortifying that would be or being at school and being uncomfortable all day because you're trying to hold it because you are too scared to go to the restroom. Like, school is a place where girls and all students should feel safe and comfortable. And unfortunately, these families' daughters were not able to have that at their school. And um, there has been a lot of really interesting stuff that has come out since this family spoke up. And the interview was, was with Rich Cutshaw. He's one of the dads in the case. And um, Matthew DePerno, who's the attorney. And... Um, they have been reached out to by other families now, um, some at the middle school, who um, who had children in middle school, I think, believe, I believe it was both sixth and eighth grade, who came home from school the first week of school and said to their parents that there was a teacher in the middle school, I believe by the name of Ashley Mann, who had been telling students that they could switch their pronouns and it would be a special secret between her and them and their parents didn't have to know. And luckily, these parents and children have good relationships where the kids can come straight to their parents and tell them what's going on. But um, I'm sure there's a lot of students who didn't feel comfortable doing that too. But the, these parents have really had enough. And th there's more and more things that keep coming out, like the uh, school board president who has basically said, we can't do anything about this and the girls can just deal with it. It turns out that his son is a convicted pedophile and that he had made some statements um, like that almost sound like he was defending him, which I understand he's your kid, but um, it's just really crazy. Like It's just a deep rabbit hole that keeps going and I'm really interested to see what happens next, but um, unfortunately, what's already been done can't be undone.
And what these girls went through is something that they can't like unexperience. And I'm sure it was very traumatic, especially at that age. But I'm very grateful that they're speaking up now and families are speaking up now because hopefully that will prevent future students and current students from going through the same thing. But it reminded me a lot of the Loudoun County case, which was out in Virginia, where um, there was I, there was a, a young girl who was sexually assaulted in a restroom by a student who I believe was transferred from another school where they had done the same thing to a different girl. Oh my gosh. No, I know. And and speaking of, what I think is so interesting about this case is the man who was using the women's restroom, he was still standing while urinating. Yeah, yeah, there's... Perfect tell sign that this is not gender dysphoria. Because if you were truly struggling with and you were truly dysphoric about your gender, you would never stand in a woman's restroom to to urinate. I mean, you just wouldn't do it because it would make you even more dysphoric than you were. If you really thought right. in the wrong body, you would not be doing that. But that shows you, it tells you, it perfectly highlights with women being the collateral damage, those poor young girls, as you said, I mean, it's traumatic. Um. It shows you that it's a bigger problem than than just live and let be with this with this whole um, all of the gender ideology stuff. These yes, and the in place are being taken advantage of. And to my knowledge, um, it was the mother of this male student who actually was threatening the school, saying, "If you don't let my child use whatever bathroom they're comfortable with, we're going to sue you." and it seemed like it was orchestrated by the mother based on what I've heard, which is very sad that there are parents now who are actually encouraging their kids to do this sort of stuff. And I, I kids can't consent. I think that the parents do play a big role in it. But um, what's funny is the school was scared of being sued by that mother and now is getting sued by multiple families. But I think that needs to happen more often. Yeah. Uh- I think more and more people need to hit these people where it hurts, um, which is, of course, the pocket. And I think we, I mean, we saw that with Bud Light. We've seen that in several instances now. And so I think people are becoming more bold. They're yeah. understanding the power that they have as consumers, as parents. I mean, those are their children. Um, yeah. So, and as we talked about the school board leader and, or the, the principal, whoever he was, who said, there's nothing we can do. I'm sick of hearing that. I'm sick of hearing that excuse. I'm sick of people saying it, whether that's, you know, your everyday American who hasn't been impacted, uh, the parent to someone who has, I'm sick of people saying that there's nothing they can do because there is something they can do. There's always something you can do. Even if it's as simple as as saying no, which is not hard to do, um, that doesn't require any sort of, um, I mean, it it doesn't require anything. It requires common sense and and to understand that women deserve, that children deserve that. And so I'm, I'm, me personally, if I have to hear one more person say, you know, they're scared to to speak out or, or whatever, I don't want to hear it. I'm I'm sick of that excuse, and I, I really don't have a lot of sympathy for it anymore, if I'm being totally honest. 
I can relate to that. In the beginning, I think I had more sympathy for it, especially when I was facing all the heat with the online harassment. But it blew over. I've had a lot of positive things come from this. I think some progress has been made. But I, I think it's really messed up that we have to advocate for ourselves on this. Like, you should never have had to speak up about this in the first place. Your school should have taken action. I shouldn't have spoke, had to speak up about this. Red Bull and the contest organizer, the border, they should have taken action. The girls should not have had to face harassment over this. And a lot of people, unfortunately, can't handle bullying like that. That is too terrifying for them. Like there was recently just um, like a week or a little over a week ago, a downhill skateboarder. Um, it's not the same as like park skateboarding and um, like doing tricks like I do, but like downhill racing and they slide and it's really cool. They, they're they like hauling ass down a hill and um, like it's uh, it's not something I can do, but they're totally separate things. It'd be like comparing like your swimming to synchronized swimming. Like, yes, you're both in a pool, but totally separate things. But um. A downhill skateboarder spoke up and I believe a meeting was actually held on like Zoom or something. I haven't seen the whole meeting, but what followed is she made an Instagram post saying, um, you know, I've been accused of being transphobic. I'm not. She was still trying to hold the position that um, like trans women are women, which I thought it might be difficult to get support while still saying that because it kind of defeats your own argument. But um. She's saying, you know, how much how much fairness are we willing to sacrifice for inclusivity? And within a few days, unfortunately, due to the harassment that she faced and um, she said like violent threats, even she not only deleted the post, she deleted her entire Instagram. And there was an there was a skateboarder as well, another skateboarder who had placed third, I believe, in one of the contests that I posted about that I wasn't in, but it was one that was sent to me in New York. Um, one of the girls who was bumped back in placings, she made a video talking about it. And within a couple days, possibly even less, she deleted the video because people go after you. And it makes me lucky, like it makes me feel lucky that I was like the youngest child. And I had older siblings who teased me and bullied me all the time because you should be able to take that. It's it's most of it's strangers on anonymous accounts anyway. Like who really cares what they have to say? You should be more focused about the people in your life, your family, your friends, and also doing what is right and what I believe God would want us to do. I think that's really important. And people should know that they're never alone in speaking up with this, even if you're alone here. God is always with you and speaking up with this. At least that's my experience. And I think a lot of people's experience. But um, yeah, a lot of people, they can't handle the bullying and they want to just step out of it and not be involved. And or many are scared to even say anything in the first place because they know that could happen. And I think it's really unfortunate. And I hope that people see stories like yours, stories like mine, where you get through that part of it and actually a lot of positive things come out of it. And I hope they recognize that's the only way we're going to make a change. But um, until then, like, get used to not having rights, basically. If, right. if you're not willing to stand up for yourself. 
Exactly. Um, which is why more people than you know are grateful for you and for your platform and how you continue to advocate. Um, no, for you as well. Yeah, well, we're in it together. Uh, yeah. We have been from the beginning, pretty much. I, I think that's going to continue in the future. And so I'm grateful you came on here. This is like a full circle moment. If you think yeah, you little us um, at CPAC a few, what, two years ago, a year ago, whenever it was. I mean, it's been a lot of learning, a lot of adapting, a lot of growing and maturing and understanding the, the different nuances of it and how to communicate and blah, blah, blah um since that point but here we are still fighting um so i couldn't be more grateful for you taylor was right to say this should not fall entirely on the shoulders of young girls we need everyone to use their voice and speak up when they see an injustice um thanks for watching you can like subscribe anywhere where you get your podcast spotify um apple whatever that looks like outkick.com uh, be sure to check out the Riley Gaines Center. Um, this is a center where we will be training and equipping um, leaders, whether that's community leaders, national leaders, school board leaders, with effective communication tools and resources to, to be inspired and empowered to know that we are the majority. And you can find that at www.rallygainscenter.org. I'll catch y'all next week.